Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's time for Ham Talk Live. It's episode number 223, Solar Cycle 25 with Ted Cook, K7RA, recorded live on Thursday, August 13th, 2020. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by Tad Cook, K7RA, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week, Michael Colley, W4MCA, and Mike Bannigan, KJ4UDO, were here to talk about the Orlando Hamcation and the Carol Perry Educator Award nominations. So if you missed that show, you can listen anytime over at hamtalklive.com or your favorite podcast app or on YouTube, or you can catch the rebroadcast every Saturday afternoon at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on WTWW, that's 5085 AM. So uh, get your solar questions ready to go. We'll talk with Tad here in a little bit. And uh, let me give you the phone number here to call if you have a question to ask. If you're listening to us live on Thursday night, you can give us a call after the interview. And that telephone number to call is 859-982-7373. So write it down, have it ready to go. It's not time to call just yet. But it's 859-982-7373. You can also tweet us. I'll be checking Twitter throughout the night. As always, it's at HamTalkLive on Twitter. And if you're on Spreaker, you can comment as well. And I'll be back with Tad right after this word from Icom America right here on Ham Talk Live. Get out and be active with ICOM's new IC705 and its optional multifunction backpack. The IC705 is your perfect QRP companion as you have base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers and a portable package covering HF, 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at just 1 kilo or a little over 2 pounds. With RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz and that 
large 4.3-inch color touch screen with live band scope and waterfall. The IC705 does 5 watts with a BP272 battery or 10 watts with a 13.8 volt DC power supply. Has sideband CW, AM, FM, and full D-Star functions. A micro USB connector, Bluetooth, and wireless LAN. Integrated GPS with an antenna and GPS logger. A micro SD card slot, a speaker mic comes standard, and supports QRP operations. The perfect accessory for your 705 is the optional backpack LC192 with a special compartment for your IC705 and room for accessories for soda activations or just a day in the park. Make sure you visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. Ham Talk Live is on your side with traffic and weather together on the 8s. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to ICOM America for sponsoring Ham Talk Live. Check them out at icomamerica.com slash amateur. Tonight's guest is Tad Cook, K7RA, and ironically comes from where the sun doesn't shine, Seattle, Washington. Uh, but he knows all about the sun and its effect on radio propagation. Tad had become a ham at uh, age 12. It's WN7CSK and has been WA7CSK, KT7H, K7VVV. And uh, in 2003, took on the call sign um, K7RA in memory of Homer Spence, one uh, dear friend of Tad's. And since 1991... He has been writing the weekly ARRL Propagation Bulletin, and I had you muted, Tad, but but you can say it again. It's actually sunny. Yeah, it's Seattle. sunny in Seattle right now. Very comfortable. Doesn't get too hot here. Well, there there we go. So so we timed it right today. So so the sun is the sun is always shining with with Tad. We'll we'll talk about some. Nice ways to phrase that here in a little bit, but uh, first off, thanks for coming on the show, and it was kind of quick notice. I had got just totally swamped with the start of a new school year, and it's like day two of of school, and I'm just like still kind of like trying to figure out where I am right now, and uh, so yesterday it's like, oh yeah, I've been meaning to get a hold of Tad, and let's see if he can come on the show, so thank you for doing that, and then then to top it off, we were fighting audio issues, so we were a minute late, so I apologize, but Solar Solar Cycle 25 is revving up, and there's been some helpful news lately, so tell us about that. Well, it's exciting. Um, We certainly waited long enough and uh let's see we've had sunspots every day for over three weeks now and uh that's certainly a big change um there were also um a number of years ago i would read articles in various corners of the popular press saying maybe we wouldn't see sunspots anymore and 
I discovered that this was actually part of a disinformation campaign from some forces that are were doubtful about uh, climate change. And somehow they had got the idea that maybe it was actually linked to sunspots, but it wouldn't be a problem because we weren't going to have sunspots anymore. And uh, one day, I, it was over 10 years ago, I got a ton of emails from readers all upset, and they all had the same URL, which linked to an article in Investor's Business Daily. And uh, I clicked on it, and it was this thing saying uh, it was poo-pooing climatology and saying that uh, they're, they're, uh, that it was all linked to solar cycles, and but this wouldn't be a problem because we weren't going to have sunspots anymore. And I thought, well, that's news to me. I mean, I don't know how anyone would predict that. And then, reading further down, they had a quote from somebody I know, and that's Ken Tapping, who works at this uh, solar observatory in Penticton, British Columbia, where we get our solar flux readings. And they had him saying things that were just outlandish, like he was talking way outside of his field, and uh, of astrophysics and talking about climate. So I sent him an email and asked uh, if they quoted him uh, accurately, and he said, this has been the worst two weeks of my life. I don't know what happened, but he said he got a call from a woman. He didn't write down her name, didn't realize that they were going to be talking for 90 minutes, and he, get, he she kept trying to get him to comment on climate. And uh, he kept telling her he's not an expert in that. And uh, I guess she had an agenda of linking climate to solar cycles. And when he didn't say what she wanted, and she didn't get the quote she wanted, she just made it up. And oh, so his my. his life had turned to hell because, uh, you know, he was getting all this blowback on this. And uh, so this started me on an interesting path where I was, you know, tracking these articles that would uh, talk about climate linked to solar cycles. And uh, they would always mention uh, the Maunder Minimum and the time when England had ice fairs and there weren't any sunspots. And I just kept seeing this over and over and over. And the worst were the British tabloids. Um, they've gotten a bit better. Now they, of course, point out that um, even if it is linked to sunspots and we don't have any sunspots, um, it'll all be overwhelmed by all the carbon uh, that's in the atmosphere. And anyway, it was uh, it was quite an interesting time. Um, so when I would reply to people about this, I would point out that the biggest solar cycle of of all time was 1957 to 59, cycle 19, the one we all dream about. And uh, then I would ask, well, was that um, hotter then or not? And it wasn't. So anyway, it was a, a, an interesting time, and uh, I ran into a lot of that noise. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, when you run into the noise, <laughs> it's... As as my friend Christian K0STH says, it, it's it's hard to stay above the noise. 
and, yeah. uh, both, both on the air and, and in, in news. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what, for, for those who don't realize, you know, this, what this really means that we've had a sunspot for, you know, every day for three weeks and why that's good news. Ex- explain a little bit of that. Uh, why, why we're optimistic about this next cycle. Um, well, uh, I don't see any other choice. <laughs> I'm an optimist, but um, the reason that's a good thing generally, uh, especially for HF propagation, is that uh, sunspots and solar flux correlate with uh, a type of X radiation, X rays from the sun that charge the ionosphere. And the record-breaking cycle 19 um, produced so much solar activity that the ionosphere was densely uh, ionized, you know, 24 hours a day. And from stories I've heard, you could get on 10 meters with very low power and uh, work the world. And what what happens is as uh, solar activity increases, and the ionosphere gets more densely ionized, the maximum usable frequency goes up, and it reflects uh, higher and higher frequencies. Well, one of the neat things about that is, uh, of course, when you double frequency, like when you go from 20 meters to 10 meters, um, antennas are half as big uh, to be just as efficient. And so this is a, a really neat thing when when it gets ionized and, and all kinds of weird things happen. I remember my dad um, during the late 50s when I was a, a small child um, sold farm chemicals in the San Joaquin Valley. And he was a biologist, but making money so he could go back to school at UC Berkeley. And uh, I remember... Judging from the length of the antenna that was on the bumper of the company car that we used, uh, his radio, two-way radio, was probably up around 40 40 megahertz or at least above 30 megahertz. And he would get weird things happening back in 1958 where um, he wouldn't be able to contact his base in Fresno, uh, but he would uh, hear stations in Texas, and so this was because of cycle 19 and the increased solar activity. So increased solar activity really helps make things exciting on uh, on HF amateur radio. And, and we've been saying for, for several years now that the bands are dead. The bands are, are, are dead. It's, it's like, you know, I, I keep seeing this uh, meme on, on Twitter. It's the Star Trek uh, thing, you know, the bands are dead, Jim. And, and <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just been, it's been pretty, pretty miserable for long distance stuff. But um, we've had a, a few little, you know, instances of, uh, you know, 10 meters actually, you know, doing some stuff and, and, and so yeah, fortunately, we're, we're kind of hoping that, you know, this is going to get better. Yeah, fortunately, we have some new modes to distract us. FT8 is just amazing in how it um, it can dig 
readable signals out of the noise, and I've been enjoying observing it. And one of the fun things is to put out a call on FT8 on 6 meters or 10 meters, and then check PSK reporter and see that with a low power and a very limited antenna, I was heard all over the world. And I can see what the signal strength was, and uh, it's it's really a neat mode. It, um, uh, it's a disappointment for some people who are used to be able to use, uh, who want to be able to grab a mic and just chat. But uh, but I think for observing uh, openings and propagation, it's really neat. I, I've even noticed in, in the last couple of days, to, totally totally independent of, of the sun here. We're, we're taking a, a, a tangent here for a minute, but. There's been some tropospheric ducting going on where I'm at, and uh, normally I listen to this radio station in Indianapolis, you know, on my alarm clock, and my alarm goes off, and I'm hearing WLS, and I'm like, WLS? That's in Chicago. That's on AM. Well, it was their FM station. And, you know, here I am in southern Indiana, and I'm I'm hearing WLS all the way from Chicago. Well, sometimes I hear KC95 over in St. Louis. And, and so I'm used to, you know, there being kind of a mix there of those two. And then I've never heard WLS-FM before. I didn't even know they had an FM. And, and all of a sudden yesterday, you know, here it comes. And, that, and that's all that, that tropospheric ducting stuff. But but back back to the to the solar stuff, you know, when, when these sunspots get up and going and, you know, we're, we're going to have a, we're going to have a pretty good time when all this stuff is, is back to what many of us are used to. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's, um, it's certainly welcome. <laughs> yeah. And it, I hope, I hope the sunspots is. keep increasing. Okay, now, my next question here is, is about the number of sunspots. So, on these propagation bulletins that, that come out, and I, I I remember, you know, decoding these on Ready, and, and you know, and I think we were talking before the show about FEC AMTOR mode, um, you know, and I remember that, and I remember, you know, getting these, and I, I would always you know, get the bulletins and sometimes we'd read them on nets and stuff and kind of got away from it. But, but I, I remember, you know, whenever I do this and, and on field day, you know, you copy the field day bulletin, then all the rest of the bulletins come out and here's all these numbers. So, so I, I went to the last one here and just copied and pasted this into my, into my notes here. So the, the sunspot numbers, for July 30th through August 5th, 2020, were 22, 23, 22, 22, 23, 12, and 13, with a mean of 19.6. So right. what does that mean, and, and why, why do we care about that? Well, we want more sunspots, and the sunspot number is not the number of sunspots. Uh, there's an arcane way that this number is calculated, and it date back, dates back at least a couple of hundred years. But basically, um, one sunspot group counts for 10 points, and there's one point for every sunspot in that group. So the minimum uh, non-zero sunspot number is 11. 
that's just the rock bottom. It's either zero or 11, and there's nothing in between, despite what the mean is or the averages. And you'll see some correlation with the solar flux, which is a measure of radiation from the sun at 10.7 centimeters. And uh, it's a, a lot of... Uh, the popular press got confused about this when we were at a sunspot minimum, and uh, they would uh, think that it meant, you know, the number of sunspots, and they'd say, well, we should be seeing hundreds of them right now. And they're remembering a time when the sunspot numbers were that high, but it wasn't the same as the number of sunspots. Uh, the other thing that we present in the bulletin is geomagnetic indicators. And the K index is calculated every three hours, and it's a measurement from either uh, a group of magnetometers or a single magnetometer of the um, geomagnetic unrest. So generally, we want those numbers to be low, and we have they've been low for a very long time now. Um, what will happen is if there's a big uh, solar flare, for instance, it will disturb the uh, magnetic field, and we'll see a lot more absorption. And I remember times past where it was just going on for weeks like that, and it's especially bad if you're way up north, uh, the energy gets concentrated towards the poles. And so I remember having friends who were in Alaska during times past when things were really active and uh, the bands were just dead for weeks. Um, but we've been seeing such low geomagnetic indicators that uh, it's made it really good for 160 meters. Now, right now, 160 isn't so great because it's summertime, and uh, it's better when it's dark and there's no noise from thunderstorms, which can be quite considerable. Um, on 160, you can pick up noise from thunderstorms that are happening all over the world. And uh, so 160 operators tend to um, enjoy their band more in the wintertime and more when sunspot numbers and geomagnetic indicators are low. So the K-index is a logarithmic um, measure, and each point in the K-index from zero, it can go as high as nine, I think, um, is a lot. And so typically we'll see numbers like one or two and uh, if it goes up, like, to above three, um, things can be pretty disturbed. The A-index is uh, a daily number that's calculated from all the K indicators, the K-index. And it's a linear, not a logarithmic number. So when we see um, a K-index of three, we might see an A index of 10 or more. And so that's that's what those obscure numbers mean at the uh, end of the bulletin. Okay, yeah, I was just looking here at the this one. Uh, the A indices were 4, 4, 3, 9, 16, 8, and 5 with a mean of 7. So 
there was one day in there that that was pretty good. That was pretty active, yeah. Yeah. Or or bad if you're <laughs> or or bad, yes, depending on how you yeah. look at it. Yeah. But uh <laughs> but we haven't seen any really bad geomagnetic conditions for a long time. Things have been quiet. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are due for a break, but there's there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about. It's kind of a fun thing, so we'll we'll do that on the other side of the break. And uh, then we'll get into some of the questions and comments and, and uh, take some phone calls uh, right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. Thanks for choosing Tower Electronics. How may we help you today? We have PL259s. We have in connectors. We have SMA adapters. We have BNC adapters. What can I show you today? Where's the tower? Well, we don't actually have a tower with us, but we have all kinds of things you can use with a tower. We have power poles, antennas, soldering irons and meters. Where's the tower? <laughs> Ma'am, that's the name of our company. We can't haul towers to all the ham fest across the country that we visit, but we have almost every connector and adapter you would need to connect your antenna that's on your tower. I don't think there's a tower back there. I really don't. Tower Electronics. Visit us at a ham fest near you or call 920-435-2973 or see our whole catalog at pl-259.com. Sorry, one thing we don't have is a tower. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 859-982-7373. Again, the number to call is 859-982-7373. Or, if you'd rather type than talk, tweet us at Ham Talk Live. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. You're listening to Ham Talk Live, the number one podcast amongst the podcasts with the words ham, talk, and live in the title. Here's your host, Neil Rapp. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. We'd like to thank Scott walking on the PL259 coal and Jill strolling toward the next customer in line coal at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show tonight to help bring you Ham Talk Live. They'll be at the Winchester, Indiana Ham Fest on August 15th. That's this weekend. Or you can visit them anytime at pl dash. 259.com. Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here at hamtalklive.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it's time for your phone calls right now. So if you have a question for Tad, give us a call at 859-982-7373. Again, 859-982-7373. 7373 is the phone number. You can tweet us. It's at HamTalkLive on Twitter. And uh, you can type a comment if you're listening on Spreaker. And if you're listening to us on the podcast edition or on WTWW, you won't be able to reach us because we're doing this live on 
on Thursday night. So, so I had you muted, but you're kind of giggling at the, the, the commercial there because I, I called him Scott walking on the PL 259's coal and Jill strolling toward the next customer in line. Well, we didn't get to, we didn't get the background, so they got the punchline. They didn't. They didn't get the background. So I want to ask you that you know when I was reading these reports, but you know I guess it's been some years ago, and there was always a nickname. It's like every week there's there's a different nickname for you. So it was like Tad walking on the sun cook, or Tad somewhere the sun is shining cook. So yeah, I'm guessing were, uh, there's a story behind this. So so what's yeah, the story it behind uh, it? My choice to do those. Um, they were done by uh, people at Edelboro um, headquarters who found it amusing to uh, look for uh, song titles that mention the sun, and they would work that work that in and. Uh, uh, that, that wasn't my creation. It was somebody else. And, and so, anyway, those, those aren't coming back. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, they're, oh, I kind of enjoyed them because, you know, every week yeah, it's like, I, okay, what's it going to be that, this week? Yeah. Well, and now, then now, after a while, it was just a rotating list. Now, okay. Now, I'm glad you mentioned the rotating list because <clears throat> here, here on my paper... I, I I have some of the rotating list. No. So there so there was Tad who countest the steps of the sun cook. <laughs> you know, that's from I think a slightly different era when Christine Keene was my editor and she liked uh literary or poetic references. And I found those quite educational. Uh you know, not not being very well educated myself, uh, this was um, uh, kind of kind of helped the uh, liberal arts education that I was missing. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've got more. Don't worry. Uh, we've got magnificent, strong sun, so prodigally generous of pristine light. <laughs> well, I guess you could Google that phrase and see who wrote it. Um, there you go. But uh, I, I have no idea where she got those. Yep. The rain exploded with a mighty crash as we fell into the sun. <laughs> yeah, well, Google it, and I'm sure you'll find the reference. There you go. The sun is swimming on the rim of a hill. <laughs> so somebody, somebody has some... some sense of humor here and, yeah and, i just thought uh, we, we, uh, it was yeah. people would read that and think those people at edelboro headquarters have, have too much time on their hands <laughs> that was my fear and i had nothing to do with those so or, or maybe they just needed a, a, a nice quick little comic relief just to de-stress from the day maybe maybe that was it yeah so it's Tad walking on the sun. That's the one I was. Did that one happen more often than not? Because it seems like I remember that one more. Yeah. Who, who, was, who was the band? Um, I can't remember. 
Oh, I know. I, I play that. It might have been song. REM. I'm not sure. I, I play that song now. I can't think of, of who it was. But anyway, I, I had to. I had to ask. I was going to throw Joe Karsha under the bus, and I figured it, it sounded like something he would do, but it wasn't him. So. Yeah, he had nothing right. to do with it. He had nothing to do with it. He just plays it. He he just reads <laughs> it and plays it. So. All right. Well, anyway, that's uh, that's Tad walking on the sun cook. So that's that's where the where the punchline comes from here. So, all right. Well, we do have some real questions. So let's let's get to some of those. Uh, John W four USF wants to know: um, Aren't the cycles about eleven years long? Have there been cycles significantly shorter or significantly longer? Yes, um, they range from about 7 to 14 years, um, and I couldn't name any cycles that were extra long or short, but this is my understanding. Okay. So they're not exactly 10 years, um, or not exactly 11 years, but they tend to average out that way. So that's kind of the mean, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Carl, KD9HQT, says, My father, WB9EWF, remembers the biggest and best from 1968. And uh, he was told many stories about 1968. How would you compare 1968 to 2020 on the propagation uh, side? Not, not on well, the craziness he- side, because, you know... Yeah, I think the cultural things in 1968 are more interesting. But um, <laughs> <laughs> having been a teenager back then, um, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. We we haven't really seen much of cycle 20 yet. Um, I would like it to be like uh, uh, cycle 20. Uh, I mean, what did I say? Cycle 20? No, this is cycle yeah, 25. 25, but that was 20. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was twenty, and uh, so we would all like to see another cycle nineteen, and maybe we'll get to see it. Um, there was a great presentation by Carl uh, Lutzel Schwab, K nine LA, at that virtual Hamfest last weekend, and he did a survey of all the different predictions for the next solar cycle, and as usual, they were all over the place from low to high, and. There were a couple of scientists who had predicted something equivalent to cycle 19, which is what I would love to see. But uh, we have no no way of knowing yet uh, what's going to happen. Um, some might say, well, we're due for another cycle 19. But that reminds me of the gambler's fallacy. And that's where in random events, if... Uh, you've had, you know, uh, on the roulette wheel, if you've had red come up over and over, then uh, the gambler's fallacy is that you're due for a black one to come up. But, uh, of course, if it's truly random, you have no way of really predicting what the next one is, and they're independent. And I tend to think of the solar cycles as that way. Yeah, we're making a prediction, not a not a sure thing. So that's the way it goes. John W4USF says uh, 68 was his 
first cycle peak, and that was lots of fun during high school with cycle 20. So it must have been a good one. That was just before my time. So Yeah, that's, I, uh, he I'm, must be the same age I am. And, uh, 68 was surely uh, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I came along two years later, so there, there we go. All right. Uh, well, if you have a question, give us a call. It's 859-982-7373. Give us a call, 859-982-7373. Or tweet us. It's at HamTalkLive on Twitter. If you're on Spreaker, leave us a comment. We'll pick up on those, and I'll check those again a couple of times before we uh, wrap things up with uh, Tad Cook, K7LA. Or, or should I say, let, let, me, let me pick one of these again. Tad, in the dark of the sun, we will stand together, Cook. <laughs> well, why do you have to bring those back? Oh, I, I, I never really oh, liked they're, those. They're just so much fun. They're, they're, yeah, they're I realized just, they were popular. They're, they're so much fun. <laughs> yeah, they're okay. what I wrote. So, uh, okay, so a couple of other things I, I had put down here to, to ask you about here. Um, so we wait for calls or, or tweets here, 859-982-7373. Um, the propagation forecast on websites like GX Summit, you know, it says good, fair, poor, you know, it has the calculated one. And how are those calculated? How do they come up with these things? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> and there we go. Yeah, I, I I I always you know wonder how how they come up with you know good. I, I guess there's a range somewhere. Well, um, good would be uh, more sunspots and less uh, less geomagnetic disturbance. So somebody's probably just come up with a range of numbers and said, you know. Well, if it's between here and here, that's good. If it's here and here, it's fair, I guess. Yeah, I wish I, I should pay more attention to those so I could talk about it. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to ask you about is, um, I, don't, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with Dr. Tamitha Scove. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, The space great. weather woman. What do you think about all this, you know, imagery that she's using to, to make all these, you know, weather forecasts? Or you know, solar forecast like a weather forecast with all this high res imagery and stuff. Isn't that great? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. She's wonderful. I I love her. She's just great. And I got the chance to meet her last year at a DX convention, and she certainly brings a lot of uh, excitement to the to the field. Um, there's one thing though. Uh, she says often that I don't really understand. She'll say solar flux uh, should be coming up, and that's good news for ham operators and emergency responders. And it's that last part that I don't really understand. Um, I think of emergency responders as people who are using trunk uh, radio systems on UHF. Well, yeah. But, yeah, but I guess, yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I, I guess she's talking about... Uh, you know the big catastrophic emergencies where ham radio is the the only way of calling out. That must be it. Yeah, but, and there's uh, yeah, still I, some some VHF going on because sometimes the trunk systems just don't don't cut it. Yeah, 
So, yeah. yeah, I think she's been a tremendous uh, asset, and uh, and she even got her hand license a couple of years ago. Yep, she's, let's see, what is it? WX6SWW. That's it. Space Mother Woman. And I think it's a very clever brand she's developed. Yeah, I, I've got to meet her a few times and uh, and talk with her, and, and I've got a little clip of, of all the different layers of the atmosphere that I use uh, at, at school to teach, you know, okay, well, this is why this band works at this time, and then, at, you know, at night it doesn't work as well and all that kind of thing. It's, uh, she's been a great resource, so... so Doctor T, if you're, if you're if you're listening or you hear about this, thank you for uh, for all of that. But this all this you know 3D images or you know let you see these these numbers, and it just gives all new meaning to it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, she's great. She's been a tremendous uh, shot in the arm for people who study this stuff. All right. Well, if you have a question for, here we go. Let's see. Tad, like the bright spots that move about the sun, cook. K7RA. Give us a call. 859-982-7373. We'll make this the the last call here for questions. Um, Chris Bloxham, uh, AA, where is this this call? Where did it go? AA4CB, says 1987-88 was my first good year. Yeah, that that was my senior year of high school, so. So I was I was enjoying that. It says it hasn't seen good conditions since then. Uh, let's see. Uh, John W4USF again. Uh, any idea of antenna usage differs during peaks of the cycle? Can a great antenna overdrive one signal or change its <laughs> broadband characteristics? Well, you need antennas as big and as high as possible. Um, although we saw at the Western Washington DX Club a couple of days ago, we saw a great uh, presentation on tower safety. And after seeing that, I mean, it was scary. And it's made me re- rethink the lust for bigger and higher antennas. Um, but, uh, yeah, as, as big as possible and as high as possible. Yeah, I agree. And I've Especially on lower frequencies. Yeah, I've seen some of the the tower stuff, and I know what you mean. And I'm I'm thinking next time it, it's going to be a it's going to be a fold over. The, the the climbing days are 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 gone. I think. Uh, yeah, in my me, case, anyway. I'm on a uh, forty by one hundred foot lot in the city, in Seattle's University District. So there's not a lot of room for antennas. I had a nice one back in the '80s. I had a uh, tripod up on the peak of the roof, and the roof's pretty high. I live in a 1907 Craftsman and uh, house, and I had that in a 20 meter three element monobander, and it played really, really well. So I, I miss those days. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to, to getting uh, some some better antennas up when I move. I'm. I'm on a, just a, you know, I, I'll say it again, just a dipole, and, and you know, everybody's like, oh, a dipole's a good antenna. Well, yeah, but I, I kind of miss my, <laughs> miss my beans, but we'll, 
we'll see how that goes. All right, well let's uh, let's check here. Oh, okay, just making sure we didn't miss anybody. But uh, Tad, it's been so good to talk to you. I, I feel like I've known you. We've we've only talked for like a, a day. Uh, getting ready for this, but you know, I keep seeing you know that name on on the on the AWRL letter and on the propagation reports and everything, and and just uh, glad to talk to you. And and Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, uh, by the way, is the one who recommended uh, that Tad be on the show because Tad was on. Uh, amateur radio newsline which i'm also a part of and uh you know 90 seconds just isn't long enough to get um enough of, of tad's insight so uh we wanted to do this to uh to kind of get a little more time uh on the topic so thanks so much for coming on the show i really appreciate Thank it you. and, it's been and fun. i'd love to have you back okay all right very good well that is Oh, uh, W4USF says, thanks, Tad and Neil. Great show again. So thank you very much, John. And, John, you've got a package on the way. Actually, John won a T-shirt last week, and I just packed it up before the show. So You we'll have T-shirts? Yeah, have we have T-shirts. What? Wow. Oh, yeah, we yeah, have T-shirts. We'll have to get you one. I'll, get, I'll talk to you after yeah, the show. Yeah, it's got to be double XL at least. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll work that out. All right, well, that is a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to my guest, Tad Cook, K7RA, and everyone out there in cyberspace for listening and typing in. And invite you back next Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, when Frank Howell, K4FMH, will be here to talk about the Portable Ops Challenge. It's a new contest uh, that, that puts portable operations against home ones so we'll we'll talk more about that next week for a list of all of our upcoming guests just go to hamtalklive.com and if you like the show please leave us a review that's how people find us faster so for now this is neil rap wb9 vpg saying 7375 and may the good dx be yours <laughs> Hang on a second, we get the music off here.